Accepting adversity and tragedy, lesson number seven. Adversity among loved ones. Biblical examples related to spiritual dangers. As some of the other lessons that we have looked at, uh, this one, first of all, gives us biblical examples, illustrations, and then we get into uh, uh, some of our own personal thoughts and so forth. Um, and as Brian and I both have mentioned, we don't like to just read, but uh, the first section here in the introduction of the Lesson 7 uh, it mentions we turn from the large-scale tragedies. That's what we looked at before, the large-scale tragedies like a, a hurricane that devastated a part of the country or the 9-11 event or Oklahoma City event, I think is what was used in one lesson. We turn from the large-scale uh, to things that affect us in our daily lives, uh, situations with family or friends, uh, more at home, so to speak, uh, Consider situations that where loved ones are suffering from an illness or the effects of an accident. Circumstances where old age diminishes the capacity of loved ones to enjoy life and where they are living in constant pain. Consider the death of a loved one, in particular where that death seems so tragic because of the suddenness or the youthfulness of the deceased. And so uh, that's the difference in the lesson before. We kind of looked at large scale, as this uh, calls it, uh, uh, adversity or tragedy. And this gets down to a more of a personal scale, uh, so to speak. Uh, and it mentions there in that next paragraph, to, to a large extent, we've already examined the answers that God provides us to, uh, uh, to understand these things. But... Uh, uh, the answers provided through an understanding of the nature of the fallen world. We talked about the sin that uh, was the world back with Adam and Eve and how that has affected the world. But there's a sentence there where it says, but we must be honest with ourselves. Answers that are accepted when we are considering large-scale tragedies are difficult to cling to when we look at the suffering of loved ones. So that's, that's the emphasis of this lesson and the next is that uh, we may not have been personally affected, uh, I think all everyone was in the 9-11, but uh, all of us were in one sense, but it wasn't something I didn't lose anybody that I uh, knew in those uh, towers and so on. So uh, the answers that we might consider in the large-scale tragedies are difficult to cling to when we look at the sufferings of, of loved ones. It's even harder to avoid reacting with mere emotion when, when adversity or tragedy strikes close to home. We mentioned before emotion, uh, and certainly emotion is not something that's wrong to, be, to have, but sometimes emotion takes over. Uh, I think in that illustration way back in the second, third lesson, whatever, the, uh, when the uh, federal building was bombed in Oklahoma City, uh, it, it quoted the woman that said, well, how could God let all those little children uh, be uh, killed like that? That was an emotional response. Certainly, everybody may have an emotion, but the response was, well, it was all God's fault. Anyway, uh, I want to, uh, oh, yeah, 
I do want to hand out Bible Bites. We, we didn't do so last week, and I think, uh, uh, Ryan, if you do that, uh, we've been occasionally handing out to what uh, uh, Scott Byer calls Bible Bites. And uh, it's just a little bite of Scripture, and uh, he makes comments on it, and some of the comments are, are applicable, and I think some in this one uh, will be also. And since you haven't had a copy of it, I think I'll just go ahead and we'll read it together and uh, see if there's something here that'll be helpful to us in looking at the moral, more personal, close uh, tragedies or adversities. Not something that is huge and big and it's way across the country or around the world somewhere, but uh, close by. And we've touched on this particular thought, one of the thoughts that he has in this one. Does everybody have a copy? Getting Getting there? Okay. He quotes from Psalms 32, as in each one of the Bible bites, he'll have a, a scripture and then he'll make comments in uh, relating to that scripture. The Psalms 32 verse 9 says, Do not be as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose trappings include bit and bridle to hold them in check. Otherwise, they will not come near you. So he says, on all, how could an all-powerful and all-good God allow evil in this world? And that's one of the questions that these series of lessons have, have brought up. Simply put, because he refuses to treat us like animals and force us to do good. So that's why he, he quoted from Psalms. You force the animal, with the, the horse with the bridle, you force it to do this or that. Uh, but... Uh, how could an all-powerful God allow evil in the world? Simply put, because he, he refuses to treat us like animals and force us to be, to be good. At the core of our humanity is the freedom to choose goodness, and that carries with it the freedom to refuse goodness. If we were animals, he would force us to do what? And go where he wills. But we aren't. We are humans, and that is a much messier business than simply guided, guiding by force. Goodness must be chosen, not coerced. That your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own free will, Philippians 1, verse 14. And out of the context there, Philippians. Uh, so we've, kind of, we've talked about that a little bit. Uh, God created us with the ability to make a choice. And those choices that men have made throughout the centuries uh, are not good sometimes. And some of those choices will bring uh, adversity, tragedy upon not maybe ourselves if we made the choice, but upon other people as well. So how do we deal uh, with a world that has uh, the ability to make choice? Do we blame everything on God? He gave us the ability. And if he, if he didn't, as he says, the horse and the mule... Uh, they don't have a choice when you've got them under bridle and so forth. But God doesn't treat us like animals. Any thought for that on that uh, Bible bite before we go to another? That's, that's kind of old, uh, oh, I forget what 
Yeah. Ted? God gave Adam and Eve a choice, didn't he? And they made a choice, and it was a wrong choice. And as a result, we have a fallen world, as this whole series has talked about that. I, some of this quote here will... will uh, be applicable to what we've been looking at, but I, I found this last week, and I thought, well, I asked God to take away my habit, and God said, no, it's not for me to take it away, but for you to give it up. Now, this and maybe a couple more are not directly related to uh, what we're talking about here, but sometimes people say, well, God, why did you do that? Or God, why don't you do this? And so that's kind of what this is touching on. So that's the first one. I asked God to grant me patience, and God said no. Patience is the byproduct of tribulations. It isn't granted. It is learned. And that's not exactly directly related to our, our series here. But uh, we, we find that God does, uh, or that we... We, we do uh, face adversity and tragedies, and God doesn't necessarily just take them away, but we can learn by them. And so maybe that one. So I asked God to give me happiness, and God said, no, I give you blessings. Happiness is up to you. <laughs> okay, I asked God to spare me pain, and God said, no, suffering draws you apart from worldly cares and brings you closer to me. And that's kind of what we've already alluded to. Uh, we go through suffering times sometimes, and uh, it brings us, uh, should bring us closer to God. And that's what these lessons are about, is to help us see adversity and tragedy, uh, uh, to help us to, to mature. I asked God to make my spirit grow, and God said, no, you must grow on your own, but I will prime, uh, prune you and make you fruitful. What's that, uh, what's that passage? Uh, what that's the word? thought is that passage. What passage is that thought from is what I'm trying to say. John 15, did somebody say? Okay, where, where I'm the vine, you're the branches, and I'll prune you. Uh, people who have orchards or even down where my sister lives in California, they have a lot of grapevines. And every year, at a certain time after the grapes have been harvested and so on, they, they chop those grapevines back that you'd think, well, how in the world they ever grow? But they come back and they prune off the, the, the branches that will not produce anything the next year. So anyway, uh, that's what that's kind of referred to there. I asked God for all things that I might enjoy life. And God said, no, I'll give you life so that you may enjoy all things. Maybe not so close to our uh, series here. But I asked God uh, to help me Love others as much as he loves me. And God said, ha, ah, finally you have the idea. <laughs> okay. Um, looking at the sheet here on page 17 and lesson 11. 
We're going to, as, as uh, some of the other lessons, we're going to look at scriptures that uh, will illustrate what we're talking about, and then, and then we can get more practical uh, in the second half of lesson, se lesson seven, insofar as our own experiences and so forth. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, we're going to look at some of these passages here. Uh, Bible and real life. The Bible does not shy away from the difficulties of life. Nearly every problem or adversity that you can imagine was experienced to some degree by someone in the Bible. The travails of loved ones are a key part of many Bible stories. Before we took the keys, before we looked for the keys to accepting the adversities endured by our own loved ones, we will reacquaint ourselves with the stories of tragedy and adversities in the Bible. So, uh, we'll look at these briefly. The first one is, uh, is the uh, uh, widow of Nain in Luke, the seventh chapter. Let's go ahead and turn and read that one. In Luke 7, verse 11 through 17. I'll go ahead and read it so that everybody can hear the voice over the, the uh, TA system. Luke 11, uh, 7, verse 11, soon after he went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd uh, followed him. As he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother. She was a widow, and a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, do not weep. Then he came up and touched her, touched the bar, bear bar. I never had how to pronounce that word. Beer? That's what this version, that's where it is. He touched the casket. <laughs> Actually, he didn't have a casket. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and the, the bearers stood still, the men who were carrying it. And he said, young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak. And Jesus gave him to his mother. Fear seized them all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him spread throughout the whole of Judea and the surrounding uh, country. So... What's the tragedy here? Somebody died? Only son? And uh, we have a question here on this sheet. What was uh, the tragedy, what other tragedy did this woman, besides the death of her son? Stephen? Steve? So she's a widow, and she'll, so she's already lost part of her family. And... Uh, the other question this is, is uh, how did Jesus feel toward her? Compassion. He felt compassion. You know, Jesus said his heart went out to his her, His heart went out to her. We'll find that that's the case 
of, of Jesus many times that he had compassion. His heart goes out to the people who are uh, in a tragedy or adversity or something like this is the death of a loved one. This one is the only son of this woman, and she's already lost her husband. There's a lesson within that, although uh, I don't, he doesn't specifically mention it, and that is what's the attitude of Jesus toward people who have uh, adversity or tragedy or something in their life that is difficult. Compassion. Okay. Any thought on, on that particular illustration? Go ahead, Ken. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That not only was this helpful uh, to the lady who had whose son had died, but we read there what the people fear seized verse four sixteen them all, and they glorified God. And uh, they they there's two quotes here of what they said: a great prophet is arisen among us. And God has visited his people. And that was a proper reaction, right? I mean, that's... Uh, some people didn't accept it. I mean, they didn't believe the miracles, but that's another story. And so uh, they realized this guy is something different than every ordinary man. Go ahead, Ken. I mean, uh, Ted. Yep. Was there something else that he said there that would uh, show his compassion besides forgive them for they know not what they do? What's that? Okay, they're talking to the the one thief. There's still something else. Don't hold this charge against them. There's something else. Take care of his mother. Uh, so, Jesus, even on the cross, showed compassion, looked after his mother. All right. Uh, any other thoughts? We turn to uh, Luke, the eighth chapter. We have Jairus' daughter, getting in verse 40. Now, when Jesus returned, and this is in the middle of the context of where he had been, and he returns, and the crowd welcomed him, for they were all waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, who was the ruler of the synagogue. And falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. And there was a woman, and this is kind of a side point here, but uh, there's another miracle here. Uh, and, well, let's go ahead and read through uh, the verses here. Uh, There's a woman that had a uh, discharge of blood for 12 years, and though she had spent all her li living with physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood was ceased. And Jesus said, Who touched me? Who was it that touched me? And when all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surround you and oppressing you. And Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceived the power was gone out from me. 
When the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came, came trembling, and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And he said, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Another miracle. But now here in verse uh, 49, while he was still speaking, someone came from the ruler's house, back to the Jairus' daughter situation, and said, your daughter is dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. I've often wondered, did those people not have as much of faith as Jairus did? I don't know. Maybe sounds like it. But Jesus in verse 50, on hearing this, answered him, do not fear, only believe, and she will be well. And when he came to the house, he allowed no one to enter with him except Peter and John and James and the father and mother of the child. And all were weeping and mourning for her. But he said, do not weep, for she's not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him, knowing that she was dead. But taking her by the hand, he called, saying, child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up at once, and he directed that something should be given to her to eat. And her parents were amazed, but he charged them to tell no one what had happened. <laughs> when, we, when you read those accounts like that, do you picture in your mind the scene? I do. I, I don't know if everybody does that, but I can see them coming to the house and so on, and I can see those people laughing. What does their laugh indicate? Pardon me? Fear? Is that what I heard? Lack of faith? Unbelief? Um, we'll go ahead and look at the question here, or, or the comment it says uh, describe how the father asked for the help asked for help what did this father come and ask Jesus she the the daughter was still alive as far as he knew at the time he came to Jesus and what did he how, how did how does it describe that he asked for help I, I heard some answers but in here he fell to his knees, he fell to his knees and and entreated him. Okay, that's one version. Uh, any others? Implored. Somebody got that? He pleaded. That's another version. So uh, that's how he asked for help. He was, do you think he had any faith there in Jesus? Sounds like it. Sound, yeah. Uh, so uh, it. Uh, maybe a little side point uh, from our theme here, but it, it indicates that some people did accept Jesus as a person who could at least heal people. But then when, when uh, someone came and said, don't bother this, the, the uh, Jesus, I don't know if they said Jesus, but anyway, don't bother the fellow, <laughs> what did that indicate in them? She's, she's dead. Don't waste your time. Why? Well, she's already dead, and so what? Can't do anything about it. But is that a little bit different than the, the father? Now, this is, this is other people, not, not the father saying that, you know, don't bother now. 
what, what, pardon? Yeah, what I'm contrasting here is the father's faith, if you will, and the faith of these people who come and say she's dead, so don't, don't bother him. They didn't have, and I'm not faulting them necessarily, maybe they didn't have the background, but, but the least people knew that Jesus had been working miracles, uh, Jairus uh, knew, uh, or he would, uh, wouldn't have come and asked, but these people didn't have enough faith, shall I say, that, that uh, the girl's dead, so you can't do anything about it, but he can. And, uh, and he did. <laughs> okay. Any other thoughts on it? Ken? Yep. Yeah, she was dead because when the spirit leaves the body, you're dead. Your body's dead. Twelve years old. Uh, that's right. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know the significance of her being 12, other than that, that's what they said she was. She's young, anyway. The next one is uh, Dave. Going back to those arguments, that this person died because they sinned. Oh, well, if that, yeah. yeah. Okay. I don't know if that's that same person from there. I could see people. Yeah. I, I, I don't know if the age 12 has anything to do with whether the person is a sinner or not. That's another subject. <laughs> David's child, 2 Samuel 12, verse 15 through 23. Uh, somebody tell me, or some ones of you tell me a little bit. We'll not read this. All of her, I think, are probably familiar with this uh, incident. David's child. First of all, whose child is it besides David's? Bathsheba's. Bathsheba's. Okay. So what's the situation here? Somebody tell me. child would die. So David, uh, Nathan told David that the child would die, and what? It, and this is this is part of what this is getting at in these lessons. What was the reaction of David to this tragedy, this adversity, or whatever you want to call it? What was David's reaction here? Well, he, he Nathan told me he's going to die, so I might as well go out and hold the garden. Okay, and so that answers our question at the bottom there. What did David do before the child died? He pleaded with God, and did you say fasted? Mm 
Also Kelly. And? Yes. Yes, this is the. Yeah. That's the preface to what's going on here. Yes. Uh, David saw Bathsheba down there on the house stop leading, bring her over here. Who's her husband? Sending the front lines, uh, so he'd be killed. And but now, now the child is born uh, as a result of that union, and he's. On his deathbed, shall we say. That's what Nathan said. He's going to die. Uh, Fred? Ted? Yeah, I just, I just want to say my name. Yeah. Yeah. He did that because of the fact that he was pregnant. Yeah. 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 That's the preface. Yeah. That's the preface to what's going on here. The, and so we've got the situation now. The child has been born, and uh, the child, so to speak, is on his deathbed. Laverne? David realized that he had sinned. Right. And Psalms 51, it is, is where David says. It tells how he felt at that time. And so David is now uh, let's go ahead and ask his first question. What's the difference in this story and the two above? And we've talked about this a little bit. Uh, yeah, the child does die, but there's something else. Okay, I guess we could call it a punishment. I, uh, and I'm not, uh, not, not disputing what you said there, but here the thought came to my mind. The child was afflicted by God. It may have been a punishment for David and Bathsheba, but the child that's going to die here was, was afflicted by God. The others, it doesn't say that. It's a, it said that... Uh, uh, the widow of Nain's son died, and uh, Jairus' daughter was sick, and she died. But here is something where God caused the, uh, it was God's part that is going to cause this child uh, to die. So but back to the other, the last question there at the bottom. What did David do uh, before the child died? He pled with God, he fasted, and there were other actions. Okay, he, he spent all night on the ground is one version that I've used to said. And uh, when he was there on the ground, something else. Yes, back there. Sackcloth and ashes. Sackcloth and ashes. Do you ever put sackcloth and ashes on your head or your body? No? Why would he do that? 
I know you know. When these Oriental Jews, as we might call them, were in deep mourning, uh, what's another word besides mourning? Sackcloth and ashes. What is sackcloth? Maybe we ask that first. Burlap bag. We know what a burlap bag is, don't we, Laverne? Yes. <laughs> a toe sack. Do you ever call them yes. toe sack? Yes. Us people back there in Arkansas and Texas know what a toe sack is. <laughs> uh, sackcloth, very, it was very rough clothing. And it was an indication of, of deep uh, concern and mourning. <coughs> so, <coughs> so David <coughs> uh, put that on. He fell down uh, uh, and, uh, all night and prayed and pleaded with God. So God allowed the child to uh, go ahead, uh, Paul. In David's case, you know, there's probably a couple of different ways you can look at it. Was it punishment or was it discipline? Discipline here actually brings people around to do what's right. Yeah. And in that case, in David's case, that's what happened. Yeah, uh, that's. That's a distinction that can be made. Uh, I don't know if it is one or, one or the other or both. Uh, punishment is, sometimes punishment is, made, is given and the person doesn't change his mind. But uh, discipline or punishment that might be discipline, uh, it, 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 it causes the person to change their mind. Ken? Yeah, that's, that's the, we had the preface that was brought up about uh, Uriah and so forth and Bathsheba's husband. This is the afterthought that, uh, what did David do? And it just shocked his servants, didn't it? After the child died, what did he do that, wow, what's wrong with this guy? He got up, washed, changed his clothes, and ate. And that amazed them. We're getting off our subject here. But anyway, so that amazed the people. And, and, and uh, David knew, or they said something to him, and he said what to them? While the child was... Pardon me? Yeah. I fasted and wept while he was alive. I fasted and wept while he was alive. Now that he's dead, I cannot... How does it go? Who knows the Lord may be gracious to me that the child may live, but now he has died. Why should I fast? And? Can I bring him back again? No. I will go to him, but he will, he will not, not come to me. Okay, that's another part of the story. Uh, yes, Vel Velma. Yeah. He accepted. At, right, and, and that's, that's part of the lesson that uh, we need to understand in these series of lessons is that uh, uh, we may be uh, affected by tragedy, a death, uh, adversity, and so on, uh, but to look at it from God's viewpoint, and this particular answer, look at it from David's viewpoint, uh, 
don't look at it from that woman's viewpoint. Why in the world did God let all of these, uh, who, who, who's a, what kind of God is God to let all these children be killed and so forth? So uh, that's a good point, uh, Wilma. Thank you. The next one on the next page is the death of a relative. Mary and Martha's brother, Lazarus. Do we remember that story? That account, it's not a story in the sense that we tell our kids as fictional things. Mary Martha's brother, Lazarus, died. Jesus was told, finish the story, Jesus was told he's not with them there, in, I think it was in Bethany. And so uh, Jesus delayed going. And uh, what were the people doing with Mary and Martha? That may, they not, may not be a clear enough question. They were what? Mourning. Mourning, mourning carrying on. And the, and the Jews and a lot of Oriental people, they can put, really put in the mourning. They were mourning and mourning and mourning. And uh, so Jesus finally comes four days later, and what did, uh, was it Mary or Martha say to him? If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Words of that effect, right? And so Jesus says, well, where is he buried? So they took him out there to the, the tomb. Brian, did you have a, uh, a slide or of that area? Or am I not thinking of those guys at the videos that we looked at? They went there. Supposedly, the, the, there's a place where people are uh, brought today to go down into a cave-like thing. Uh, we don't really know where Lazarus' tomb was. So anyway, Jesus said, where's his tomb? He said, well, it's out here. And so they, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, they went out to where the tomb was. And uh, what did Jesus say when he got out there? Yeah. Remove the stone. And somebody said, it's Jesus. You remove the stone. It's been four days. It's not going to smell good. And so Jesus, they went ahead and moved the stone, and Jesus walked in and grabbed Lazarus and drug him out, right? Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And so he came forth, and they unbound the clothing that he had been in. So here's where the... Uh, the testing of, of Mary and Martha particularly, and their faith is here, uh, is tested here. And uh, Jesus raises the dead. We need to look at these others before we time go. The sickness of a child. The daughter of the Syrophician Phoenician woman. Uh, she came to Jesus. By the way, is she a Jew? She's not a Jew. She's, she's a Syrophoenician. That's up there on the seacoast. We'd call it uh, Lebanon today. Um, she comes to Jesus and said, uh, she said, my, my, my daughter's dead. Would you come? And Jesus' answer wasn't, no, I'm not going to do anything. But what was his answer? 
Okay. She, her, her, her question or her statement was, help me, in so many words. And he said he was sent only to the house of Israel. And so she, <laughs> she was pretty wise in her answer. What did she say? She used an illustration, a, a, pic, a word picture, really. When he said, I'm sent to the house of Israel, I'm not sent to you Syrophoenician people. She said, even the dogs eat the crumbs from the master's table. And so he said, you have great faith. And so uh, there's faith demonstrated by, by this particular person demon-possessed son, Matthew 17. Uh, what was the request in so many words of this fellow whose son was demon-possessed? He came to Jesus and said, have mercy on my son. How long had this child been uh, suffering from this demon possession? From his childhood. And uh, so the father said, uh, if you can do anything, the word if is used, kind of an interesting uh, word there and that. If you can do anything, Jesus kind of repeated it. And Jesus, and then the man said, help. What did he say? Help my unbelief. Right? I'm in Mark. There's two passages, Matthew 17 and Mark 9. And Mark 9 uh, mentions that. Ken? Okay. Um, anything else on the demon-possessed son? This next one is starvation of loved ones. This goes back to Judges. And uh, I'll quickly relate it uh, rather than asking you to give some more input here. In Judges 6, verse 1 through 6, the, the people were suffering uh, because of their evil. God sent the Midianites against them, and the Midianites destroyed all their crops and their, their livestock and so on. And so uh, that's where this number four gets the idea that they were starving. I, I, I didn't see that words per se, but I mean, when you got all your crops and livestock taken, well, I guess they, they're going to get hungry. But uh, so the suffering here, uh, first question is why was Israel suffering? And throughout Judges, it's because they, they're, 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 they after Joshua, they're up here following God and so on, but then they get into evil, and uh, God sends a, an oppressor, 
And uh, they cry to God, and then uh, he sends, actually, the word judge isn't a good word for us, but he sends a deliverer, and uh, he delivers from, them, from that suffering. And so the suffering here is the, the uh, Midianites to destroy their crop and so on. And so uh, 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 we have Gideon is the one that uh, uh, is, is going to deliver them. And when told the Lord uh, was with him, what was Gideon's question? It was if Jehovah is with us and so on. We'll not dwell on that. Sickness of a friend. A paralyzed man and his four friends. Mark the second chapter. So uh, this man was paralyzed. And uh, they wanted to bring him to Jesus to heal him. And what was their uh, endeavor to help the paralyzed man? Here's, here's uh, were these friends compassionate for this paralyzed man? And, so, and what did they do that, that showed that compassion? Okay, Jesus, Jesus is in the house here, and, and the crowd around it, they can't get in the door, and, so, and the housetop is, is flat, so they go up there and remove part of the, the roof, and they let this uh, paralytic man uh, uh, down and through. So, anyway, uh, it shows here the compassion of these people, and it shows uh, some of the... Uh, Mourning of other people, all of these examples, is, and that's what it's for, is to go through it, uh, here's what the scriptures show has happened and uh, how people uh, reacted to adversity or death or tragedy or whatever. <coughs> so our time's gone. Sorry, I'm not going to go on. I knew that we needed to stop here with the spiritual dangers. The second half of this seventh lesson next time. All right. Anything you just got to ask about or say? Lesson seven, the second part next week. Interesting. We'll quit there. And if we need to make a more application from those biblical examples, we'll do that next week too.